My Year of Bad Sex, written and read by me, Jonathan Izard. Part 20. A Spanish chef called Diego made a date to come and see me. He didn't turn up. Profuse apologies, change of shifts, a colleague's son was ill, blah, blah, blah. It may have been true, or some of it, or he just got a better offer. I realised it was April the 1st. And who's the old fool, I thought. Back to the naked swim. I'd been talking to a cute guy called Chi. It was his mother's maiden name. But I also had Jalil penciled in. I tried not to lose either of them, but then offended Chi, who referred to your threesome shit and finding someone for your threesome train, saying he was a one-to-one guy. I was surprised at his level of annoyance. Inviting him to join me and Jalil wasn't meant to offend, but it clearly had done. However, his first response had been, What does he look like? And only after receiving a picture of Jalil had mounted his high horse. Cheers, Chi! So it was just me and Jalil. Again? How many times was that? Four or five? What status were we now? FWB, friends with benefits. PNB, potential new boyfriend. Obviously no longer a quick shag, a casual hookup, an NSA. This time he handed me a pair of pink shorts he wanted me to wear, until he ripped them off me. The sex was great, as usual. Although I loved to bite and to be bitten, and he hated it, I always forgot that and had to be reminded. And there were his frequent breaks for a spliff or poppers, but there was no denying that we were becoming more and more compatible. Could this develop into something meaningful? I told him I'd like to spend the night with him soon. Also go dancing somewhere together. He said he knew where the music is shit. Was that shit as in shit hot, or shit as in shit? I cycled home with a warm feeling of affection. Jaleel was creating a space in my life. It surprised me. Unlike Angelo, he was available and sexual, and consistent. This was becoming something. Hafiz and I had been talking online for over a week, practically an LTR. He sounded fun, and was looking for fun. We met. I massaged. We fucked. All the positions, all the filthy daddy-son talk. He'd seen my prep in the bathroom, deliberately left prominently visible to confirm what we'd discussed earlier, so we fucked raw. Plenty of kissing, too, I'm pleased to report and we filmed parts of it. That was increasingly becoming a thing, new to me, but I was fine with it, always happy to play up to a camera, whether still or video. In the early days, i.e. now with Hafiz, I specified no face, but as time went on I would relax about that and accept that there are probably loads of images of me in so-called compromising positions out there already, and, you know, I don't really give a toss who sees them, or worry who else might give a toss on seeing them. So I'm a man. I have a penis. Sometimes it's hard, and once in a while I have sex with another man. Or men. What a surprise. I'm proud of all those things, and far more concerned that a roll of tummy fat or a double chin will detract from the X factor of it all. Does that make me a sad person? A sick person? In your mind, perhaps it does. Not in mine. Let's be clear about one thing, though. Despite the raunch and the filth, I didn't actually fancy Hafiz either when I met him, or a few hours later when we were lying on the bed after shagging, chatting about his childhood in Ghana. He'd said earlier in the day, shall we get dinner in case it goes really well? 
not on a first and probably last date, mate. However, I'd made sure I had suitable food, just in case. But great sex didn't trigger a nurturing instinct in me. I didn't offer pasta and salad. He didn't ask to be fed. He showered, we hugged, he left. As I opened the door, I said, with my mother's intonation, let me know when you've got home safely. Furkan paid another visit in his lunch hour. I was convenient for him. I filled a hole in his tight schedule. He was his usual self, pretending to be submissive while dictating the choreography. He was my second choice that day, my plan B, after a hunky black dude, his words, called Alvin. We had made a deal for a daytime get-together, and then he said he was unavailable. So come on down, Furkan. Then Alvin asked if he could come over after all. In fact, he'd done the same thing the day before. Said yes, then no, then yes. Too flaky by far, some of these boys. I had a crowded timetable and couldn't accommodate their vacillations. It was hot and horny with Furkan. Furkan great. He made a lot of noise. Oh, I do like that. I also licked his feet and sucked his toes, something I've never been moved to do before. I was enjoying developing new discoveries. Dixon made the first approach online. I responded with compliments about his eyes and lips. They were striking, and he was clearly proud of them, as they featured heavily in his gallery of shots. He was at Musical Theatre College and loved his dramatic poses, head tilted, eyes askance and chin dipped. His hair was great, too. It was curly, wild and abundant. A hint of Hakim. Dirty dancing? One testicle? Sick in the cab? Remember? But not so abundant. He looked as if he'd be a laugh, and some lips just invite others. He let me down over our first meeting, something about a rehearsal running late. OK, fair enough. As a former drama school student, I could imagine that. We made a second date. He let me down again. This time it was a story about not knowing what time a slimming class ended, combined with something about a pipe bursting and having to find a plumber. It sounded a right cock-and-bull tale to me. It wasn't the bull that interested me. I went for a coffee with a mate, at which point Dixon contacted me again to see if I was available after all. Jesus H. Christ, I know we're all allowed to change our mind, but could I just point out that in all my crazy cruising and horny homo hookups, I never once messed anyone around over better offers or cold feet. Thank you. Even dirty geriatric whores have some standards. But then, as soon as he apologised for his double cancellations and asked if I'd dumped him, I rushed to claim the role of nice Jaunty and reassured him no. I would give him a third chance to disappoint me. Sandro reappeared. The Italian guy whose hot friend Fabio had approached me on his behalf after a Sunday naked swim. We'd been for a drink that was pleasant, but no more than that. We hadn't swapped dick pics or even flirted. But now here he was again, asking for a massage. Of course, I said, let's put it in the diary. I hardly ever said no and offered my skills to all comers. Although I was qualified to professional standards, no money ever changed hands. Whenever someone insisted on making a contribution, I'd suggest a bottle of wine. The pleasure, I hoped, would be mutual. In Sandra's case, the pleasure was entirely his. I hadn't fancied him at our pleasant drink, I didn't fancy him at the massage table, and I didn't fancy him when I fucked him. I almost didn't move things onto the sexual part. Almost. But I did. 
Thanks to a blue pill, I was hard, so I did what was expected. I hope I gave him a good experience. And he was a fine cocksucker, so that was a plus. But it was really nothing to write home about. Nothing to write about, full stop. Mi dispiace, Sandro. The next three days were better, because the guys didn't turn up. At least they wasted small amounts of my time by being no-shows, rather than helping me waste hours in grim, bland, pointless experiences. So let's say thanks, and give a shout-out to Neil, Rich and James. Cheers, guys! Two days to myself, and then stood up again. This time his name was Anson. He sounded intelligent and fun in our chats. He made good jokes with clever puns and literary references. Floppy hair, cheeky smile, and a brain. What a find! And just four stops for me on the Victoria line. This would be fun. But 9.30, our arranged hour, came and went. I fell asleep on the sofa. I woke up, sent a message, and had no reply. Bastard. Next day came Anson's apology. He got the wrong day. Could we try again? You got the wrong guy, I thought, and didn't bother to reply. Anyway, there was another naked party the next day. That would provide laughs and non-sexual nudity. At the event, I felt the usual jealousy when anyone paid attention to Angelo, and a lot of people did. Angelo told me, apparently indifferent to whether I'd be hurt, that there was a man in the kitchen he fancied. I then went to chat to the guy named Phil and proceeded to facilitate a conversation between them. What the hell was I doing? Why was I adding to my own distress? In the hot tub I sat next to Angelo. Under the curtain of bubbles I let my hand stray onto his leg. Is that okay? I asked. He nodded. I went further and reached his cock. I played with it for a while. It stayed as soft as an overcooked leek. The next day I was due to meet Lucas. He was, yes, you can write this by yourself now, a sweet young lad. Lucas, like most of them, wanted an older and more experienced man to talk to and possibly meet. He lived in East London, had a job in advertising and lived with his parents. He showed me pictures of his pets and told me about his limited experiences with men so far. He had a round, smiling face, unkempt hair and a smile that could charm birds from the trees or the credit card from an old man's wallet. He mentioned that his nickname was Puppy. I said, I can see why. Really? Can you? Of course. Those soulful eyes, floppy fringe, cute button nose. Would you... Would you like to be treated as a puppy? How do you mean? You know, in a mask and so on. A mask? Lucas wasn't aware of the men and women who dress as human pups in neoprene puppy masks and lycra suits with a leather collar. They hold their fists like paws and like to be led around on a leash. I'd had minimal contact, but quite fancied being a master with a young pup. There was a social gathering every month, and I'd been intending to go. I said we could go and explore our fantasies together. I could lead you around, puppy. Would you like that? Ooh! He sounded as if he was practically making a puddle in the corner of the room. Could we do that? When? Where? At the pup event. And at my flat. 
In Soho too, perhaps, in the park, the street, maybe that club called Hard On, and at Pride, definitely at Pride. Imagine that, you in your mask and suit, me leading you on a chain. Perfect. He was almost howling with excitement now. I imagined him panting and trying to lick his own balls. Oh, I'd love that. How much are the masks? What colours do they come in? Where could I get one? I told him we could even get him a butt-plugged tail for him to wag, if that was his thing. He sounded very excited, and now I could almost see him running to the door, whimpering and scrabbling to be let out. Listen, Lucas, puppy, let's meet in Soho. I know a couple of places where they sell masks and all the other bits and pieces. It'll be fun. We can have a drink and a chat and then go shopping. What do you think? I held my breath. Was he honestly into this as much as I was discovering I was? I never thought I was into puppy play before. Well, it seemed I was. Puppy thought it was a great plan, and we made a date. Saturday at 1pm outside Tottenham Court Road Tube. Perfect. Oh, one thing, he said, suddenly serious, and I waited gingerly for the game-changer. Look, I'm not expecting you to buy anything for me. Just help me choose. That was a relief. I'd looked online, and they were over a hundred quid. I'm working, he said, so I'll buy it myself, but... It'd be great to have you help me pick one out, and maybe I can help choose something you'd like. I confessed I did have a hankering for a glittery jockstrap. Doesn't every man in his mid-sixties? No? Thank you for telling me about the pup stuff, Jonty, he said. I can't wait. And, all together now, he didn't turn up or reply to any of my messages. So what the fucking fuck was the little fucker fucking well fucking around at for fuck's fucking sake? Did he mean any part of what he said? Did he get cold paws? Or was he always playing me, encouraging this pathetic old man to believe that a handsome young chap would really indulge in those crazy antics, enjoying the thrill of power and his ability to control the level of defeat and distress I'd feel as I stood on the pavement and the minutes ticked by? Or was Puppy, even Lucas, a young man in East London? It could have been anyone, an eighty-year-old woman in Kazakhstan, for instance, or my neighbour, or a colleague. But I wanted to believe in the scruffy hair, the cheeky smile, and the image of us as Handler and Pup. The little shit. I wasn't entirely deflated. I still bought that sparkly jockstrap. And one day, I'll find a person who wants to wear a puppy mask. But Lucas the puppy did have another effect on me. After so many letdowns and cancellations, a parade of fickle lads, no-show bozos, charity work massage and pointless sex with men I didn't fancy, the message was finally getting through to me. Yes, it really took that long. This was not satisfying, not fulfilling, not in any way bringing me anything I wanted, even if I could define what that was. No more bad sex. It was time to delete the dating apps. My Year of Bad Sex is written and read by me, Jonathan Izard. Music and studio production are by Andy Mills. My Year of Bad Sex is a Protocol production.